This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Big show coming your way at an impactful time in American history. We're talking about a pandemic that's blanketed the country and hit 185 countries overall. We're talking about a uh, series of uh, riots and protests uh, across so many states that has caused uh, the enactment of the National Guard in 28 of those states. Last night, thankfully, a little bit better. Today at 10 o'clock, we're going to be watching this. Uh, Eastern time, of course. Rod Rosenstein, remember him? Deputy Attorney General, had the job basically because Attorney General Sessions recused himself. He's going to be speaking for the first time in a long time about the Russia probe and wearing a wire in front of Lindsey Graham's committee, Senate Judiciary Committee. And we have the President of the United States in 25 minutes. 1-866-408-7669. He'll be our only guest this hour. I don't think you'll have a problem with that. Uh, We'll be able to take some of your calls while reviewing what took place last night and today. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. People are protesting across this nation, and people have stories that add some fact and merit to what's going on in our nation when we come to people of color, especially uh, African-American males. So we have to change. Captain... Captain Ron Johnson, retired Missouri Highway Patrol, speaking this morning. 70% of whites in America trust their local police. Only 36% of blacks. What will it take to close the gap? I want your opinion. Number two. I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. It was a disgrace. He can attack me all he wants. I'm used to it from him. He dishonored the men and women of the NYPD in an absolutely inappropriate way. Uh, believe it or not, Mayor de Blasio went out uh, Governor Cuomo again, and Governor Cuomo apologized to the police commissioner, reportedly, according to the police commissioner, today, for defiling and diminishing them. But no one's done more damage to the police department than Mayor de Blasio. New York pointing fingers as the nation's biggest and most lucrative city is being torn apart. The governor and mayor, as I just mentioned, blame each other, emblematic of the problems in the entire country. What's the right way forward? I will tell you what should happen from here uh, and where we're at today. Number one. A lot of the folks out there are actually doing the right thing. They're protecting the people, protecting civilians, honoring George Floyd's memory. There's also an entire parallel universe that's going on. Criminal wilding mobs. Much different than you would understand. Pat Brosnan, former NYPD detective, been there through the bad times and the good times, but never saw such horrific times as the last few days. Day eight of the unrest. While protests continued to rage, riots did not. Have we turned the corner? And keep in mind, um, you could always get the podcast if you ever missed the show live at BrianKillMe.com. Have we turned the corner? I hope so. 
Uh, Antifa is the problem. It's not rioters. It's not people looking for equal justice. It's Antifa is the problem. It's people like that. They want to come up and just don't like the country, want to turn the country upside down, want to harass people, want to harangue, uh, want to uh, take out businesses that they had nothing to do with their success. So it didn't top uh, the NYPD with just 8,000 on duty was been overwhelmed for the last few days. Do you know they have 34,000? Do you know that they got uh, cops on mounts, on horses? They say if you have one, that counts as 12 separate officers. But Mayor de Blasio doesn't like the idea of doing that. Do you know that we have thousands of National Guards standing by but not being used because he doesn't like the look of that? Here's Ed Mullins, president of the Sergeant's Benevolence, Benevolence so- uh, Association and a retired cop himself. Cut 11. The men and women are being pelted with rocks, bricks, cars lit on fire, and this is continuous. We have a curfew that's been implemented tonight at 8 o'clock, and everyone is still out rioting in the streets of New York. If President Trump is watching this, I am asking the president to please, please immediately send federal personnel to New York City and monitor what is going on. If Governor Cuomo does not implement the National Guard immediately, then the federal government is going to have to step in. Yes. Problems with that, obviously. Governors, problems, yes. National Guard, that should be something that you want, that you pay for. And Mayor de Blasio making statements that they're not trained for this. Of course they're trained for this. The things they weren't trained for is maybe going to Iraq. They needed some additional training there. Not many people thought when you signed for the National Guard, you're going to be fighting international wars, even though they knew it was a possibility. But they, of course they do train for this. What I was pretty much shocked at is what went back and forth between the governor and the mayor. First off, the mayor on why he doesn't call in the National Guard. Even though 47 police vehicles have damaged, 13 have been destroyed. Cut 12. We do not need, nor do we think it's wise, for the National Guard to be in New York City, nor any armed forces. But you bring outside armed forces into an equation that they are not trained for, people who could be very, very unnerved by the dynamics that our police officers have learned to work with and deal with, That is a dangerous scenario. So I want to just put down the marker. The National Guard should not be brought here. He is such a clown. I just don't know how you... Do you have to work at being this inept? You don't know this because we're heard around the country. Unless it's a WRCN local affiliate in New York. You probably don't know this. But since 9-11, there's been a military presence offhand maybe three to five times a week. Uh, at Penn Station, they sit there in full camouflage, bulletproof vests with rifles. I'm used to seeing it. How he's pretending as if this isn't a good look for New York City that is in solid chaos. You know what's not a good look? Crowbars, prying open, boarded up, high-profile, high-end stores, and then having skateboards go through the glass and having four or five people going through the opening in that glass. Nike which went out of their way to praise Kaepernick and talk about uh, urban America, was ransacked and looted, reportedly nothing left. Governor Cuomo watches this, instead of saying, I feel responsible, decides a different tact we should be familiar with. Cut 21. The police in New York City were not effective at doing their job last night. Period. 
They have to do a better job. You have 38,000 NYPD people. It is the largest police department in the United States of America. Use 38,000 people and protect property. Use the police, protect property and people. Look at the videos. It was a disgrace. I believe that. Uh, I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. I think he underestimates the duration of the problem. Yes. And you blaming the cops? Do you see how they were outnumbered? Why does that happen? Dermot McShay, the NYPD commissioner, heard this. Cut 13. Any comments that are placing the blame for where we are with this situation on the backs of the men and women of this police department that are putting their lives on the line, Neil, I think is disgraceful and he should be ashamed of himself. There's politics and there's what's right. And that is a disgraceful comment. You know, it's such a shame. There shouldn't be a difference. There shouldn't be a difference. And I'm going to talk to the president of the United States about this because what he wants to be law and order. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to protect your people. There's nothing wrong with that. And then at the same time, once protection is established, once chaos is sidelined, then you could sit down and look at the big picture. Race relations in America, law enforcement, how to make it better, more effective, more trusted for everybody. That's what I was hoping for. But Joe Biden has a great, great way to bring the country together. Let's talk about how much the other president or the current president is tearing it apart. Cut to. President of the United States must be part of the solution, not the problem. But this president today is part of the problem and accelerates it. Cut four. Pain is raw. The pain is real. The president of the United States must be part of the solution, not the problem. But this president today is part of the problem and accelerates it. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. I'll seek to heal the racial wounds that have long plagued our country, not use them for political gain. Well, it's kind of interesting, uh, as the president brought up right after he heard this, when you are trying to bring people together, you usually don't try to rip somebody apart. So obviously he doesn't like the president. Obviously, they're different parties. Obviously, he's running against the president. That is not unusual. But when you have a unity speech and you spend half the time telling everyone how Donald Trump uh, is a disunifier and is the problem, don't you understand that he's got supporters that think that Joe Biden and company is the problem? Do you know that, that that might be a problem, that you might mix, uh, mix and match your message? So that's one thing that would keep in mind. So the president sees that, and he made some comments on that. In fact, he tweeted something out uh, yesterday. Let me see if I could find it here. Uh, but essentially, and I'll paraphrase it, uh, Joe Biden had 40 years to present his unifying message, had 40 years to talk about a federal law enforcement policy program or training Where is it? Who was holding him back? Was it the eight years when you had the second most powerful office in the country, vice president of the United States? 
when you had a, a president that gave you enough power to handle things in the Ukraine in our stimulus package? You couldn't say, hey, can I have a few billion for my great idea to bring the country together and federalize law enforcement? Never came up until Donald Trump came up. one 408 The president in 16 minutes, 17 minutes, you are next with your phone calls. And if you're rather right, if you're at work, BrianKillMe.com. I have one message for anyone listening in uh, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Open up your states. You allow the protesters to go shoulder to shoulder with or without masks. Who knows? But they're way too close. There's no social distancing. But you won't let us get a haircut. We can't work out in a gym. And I can't buy a shirt in a department store. Enough. Brian Kilmeade Show. Celebrating 10 years. Wait, has it really been that long? As usual, you've made it all about yourself. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The de Blasio-Cuomo problem is a special problem. They hate each other. And frankly, de Blasio is completely incompetent. Uh, The governor really, in good conscience, should replace him because he's the sole reason why the New York City Police Department isn't acting. And it really wasn't fair of the governor to attack the police department. He should have attacked de Blasio. Uh, And that is uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, talking yesterday on WABC. Uh, Well, actually, he was on television yesterday saying that that is something the governor brought up at a press conference. Maybe he should be replaced. And then he decided to be too divisive. But I thought the governor was way out of bounds. Now, think about this. He has the most case. New York has the most cases in the country. It's not Cuomo's fault. It's Europe's. No one told him. Most deaths in the country. It's not his fault. Um, Now, no PPE to start with. That's the government's fault. Uh, We need the USNS Comfort. It cost him millions of dollars. He never really used it. We had to convert the Javits Center into a hospital. Only only needed 50 to 100 beds. Hmm. 
Now it's the state that's been shut down the longest with almost no progress. Uh, They said they don't have enough beds, enough tracers, so it's still shut down. It's not his fault. It's not his fault, right? So that he needs the most money. It's not his fault. Now there's unbelievable unrest in this country. Nursing home deaths, all-time high. Tragically, it makes up most of the deaths in New York, but it's not his fault. And then with the unrest in New York we've never seen before, and NYPD outmanned, it is not his fault. Why is he allowed to get away with this by everybody in the media? Of course it's his fault. Of course you've got to take responsibility. Tells us not to wear masks, schools aren't going to get shut down. Now he says you better wear masks, and schools shut down until further notice. He contradicts the mayor all the time in public. They do nothing behind the scenes, and it hurts everyone in the state. Therefore, it hurts everyone in the country. But it's everybody else's fault. He's even commenting on the president's walk to St. John's Church. Who cares what the governor of New York thinks about what's happening in Washington, D.C. and the president of the United States? Doesn't he have enough on his plate? And that's key. He has since apologized for putting down, I understand he has since apologized for putting down the NYPD's uh, performance. Howard, listening on uh, KOIL, Coil over in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Howard. Brian, Brian, please ask the president to initiate now this Justice Commission that was proposed by the last caller you had Monday. Justice Commission, as well as the rest of the blueprint we've talked about, health care deficit. But get the people together now before the election. Start getting the data disseminated to the public. There is such a gulf. Start the action plans being developed and disseminated now ahead of the election. Yeah, I mean, it shows. Look, yeah, I saw George Bush's letter, President Bush's letter. It makes sense. I mean, obviously, the America started with the original stain of slavery. I don't think that Bob Johnson's got it right with a $14 trillion invoice for reparations. That gives every African-American $350,000 200-plus years later, many of which didn't even have ancestors here at the time. But they talk about, he talked about being the only way to have uh, a level playing field. I think there's a better way. And back for Bob Johnson, the first black billionaire, I think he found that better way. For Colonel Allen West, the same thing. We could discuss that, but I think it's worthy of discussion. What I can't talk about is, in a, in a positive way, is the looting and the damage and the destruction. That's not making America better. They're not even angry. They're just taking advantage of lawlessness. Anger is, I know anger, and I've seen it when people screaming at cops that had nothing to do with that incident in Minneapolis that caused the death of George Floyd. I get it. But that's how we're seeing from all, in, all these different, uh, in all these different states. But I would not mind the President of the United States doing what he does with that open forum with the right people, not just people that agree with him like Ben Carson and, and Colonel Allen West, others. First thing you can do is establish law and order. And I'm going to talk to the President about that. And then address uh, any type of fear African-Americans have in their community for law enforcement and see if it's unfounded or not or what is founded and what isn't. But defunding law enforcement, I really don't think it's a positive thing. Uh, That's just how I feel. Uh, Let's see what you think. Uh, Let's go out to Josh, listening to WDBO in Lakeland, Florida. Josh. Yeah, hello, sir. How are you doing today? Good. I actually had a quick question, though, for you and hopefully the president as well is about what's going to happen with all these historical monuments being destroyed all over the country, especially in the South and Richmond. We've seen the Lee statue just completely destroyed and graffitied all over, and then the museums and all the historical artifacts are being destroyed. Nobody's doing anything about this. There's no upright about this. It's just 
dumbfounding to me that doesn't do anything destroying our history. It's going to destroy the future of the country. I mean, we're seeing it over and over again. We saw it at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, we, we saw it at the Jefferson Memorial. Uh, we saw it at buildings like the Veterans Administration. We saw it at the building, the AFL-CIO, for goodness sakes. It's indiscriminate. In the South, uh, Confederacy, uh, I hate to tell you, they lost. And if you want to move a statue because those people fought to keep a group of people enslaved, I don't have a problem with that. Let's not forget their memory, but also remember that after they lost the Civil War, they didn't exactly give in and treat African Americans equally. Actually, it didn't happen in the North either. We come back, the President of the United States live, took 25 minutes. Uh, it's going to be great. Don't miss a minute. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We do not need, nor do we think it's wise, for the National Guard to be in New York City, nor any armed forces. But you bring outside armed forces into an equation that they are not trained for, people who could be very, very unnerved by the dynamics that our police officers have learned to work with and deal with, that is a dangerous scenario. So I want to just put down the marker. The National Guard should not be brought here. Really? Uh, so the National Guard worked in Los Angeles, uh, working in Minneapolis, but the New York National Guard is not trained for this. That was Mayor de Blasio yesterday. He was the President of the United States. Mr. President, thanks so much for joining us from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, thank you very much, and congratulations on 10 years on radio. Wow, that's pretty good. I remember when you... Yeah. Well, one day on radio, all right? It's been a long time, but that's a great job. Yeah. You're doing a great job, Brian. You were hosting, thanks so much, Mr. President. You were hosting The Apprentice back then. You were number one of the that's ratings right. when we started. Uh, and right. now you got the number one job in the country. I just was curious, the place you used to live, uh, where the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, the National Guard is, a, is not going to work here? They're not trained to handle unrest? Do you agree with that? No, not at all. It's uh, if you look at what happened in Minnesota, they were getting decimated. And after three days of watching it, I demanded that the National Guard be utilized. And in one day it was over. In fact, they got there at a certain time in the late afternoon. And by the time they finished, it was, uh, I always say uh, somewhat sarcastically, but the safest place on earth. Uh, And Minnesota was really, uh, really having a hard time. And we took care of it. And the governor's a nice man, and he was, you know, not using enough. And he was, uh, you saw the police were running in Minneapolis, and they were running uh, away from their precinct, which is something I've never seen before. You have a liberal mayor that, frankly, uh, was having a lot of trouble. And you have a liberal, very liberal mayor in New York, too. And you notice that all of these places that have problems are not run by Republicans. They're run by liberal Democrats. So there is something into that philosophy. And yet they're also the ones keeping everybody locked up in their apartments and their homes for a lo- too long a period of time. So it's very interesting how that changes. But, no, uh, the National Guard, we could solve that problem in New York. And, in fact, if they don't get their act straightened out, I will solve it. I'll solve it fast. Last night uh, was uh, one of the best nights in day eight, uh, especially in New York. We didn't see the riots. We saw the protests, even though it wasn't perfect. 
Do you think we've turned the corner according to the reports you get? Well, you may, but you still had a lot of people, and they're violent people in many cases. Uh, you have protesters, but you also have uh, uh, anarchists and looters and a lot of people that are bad, you know, bad people, okay? A lot of bad people. Uh, we have a lot of uh, proof and information and proof. You'll be seeing it in time to come where they're delivering rocks and stones to certain locations and dumping them. So they have that's their ammunition. And that hurts people very badly, including National Guard people or even military people. But Washington uh, is in great shape. We called out the National Guard after the first night, which was a little bit rougher. But then after that, we called up and we have I, I jokingly said a little bit jokingly, maybe it's one of the safest places on earth. And we had no problem at all last night. We had a substantial dominant force and it, we have to have a dominant force. Maybe it doesn't sound good to say it, but you have to have a dominant force. We need law and order. Um, Sunday wasn't the case. We had Owen Leland Vittard uh, reporting no problem. It got dark, a huge problem. He was attacked. And then the reports were they were so worried they brought you downstairs in the White House to a bunker. What could you tell me Sunday night, Sunday night was like for you and your family? Well, it was a false report. Uh, I wasn't down. I went down uh, during the day and I was there for a tiny sh little short period of time. And it was much more for an inspection. There was no problem during the day. The problem I saw Leland got uh, whacked pretty good. But that was during the night. And this problem, these problems are during the night, not during the day. And I go down, I've gone down uh, two or three times, all for inspection. And you go there, someday you may need it, but you go there. And I went down, I looked at it, it was during the day, it was not a problem. And I read about it, it was like a big thing. There was never a problem. We never had a problem. No, nobody ever uh, came close to giving us a problem. The Secret Service it does an unbelievable job of, of maintaining control in the White House. And beyond the Secret Service, we have a lot of other great people out there, including the D.C. police. Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, after I saw the, the one evening, which was a little rough, and it was certainly rough on Leland, I think more so than anybody else, uh, we, brought in the, we brought in the troops. So, Mr. President, I remember on 9-11, the President Bush wanted to land back at Washington. They wouldn't let him. They said it's too dangerous. Finally got him back there. Sometimes the Secret Service even tells the President, I can't do this. So you tell me, Mr. President, they didn't say to you, uh, you have to go downstairs. Uh, my, my responsibility is your welfare. They didn't limit you at all in the House? Nope, they didn't tell me that at all. But they said it would be a good time to go down, take a look, because maybe sometime you're going to need it. And I've been down... Uh, let's see, that would be number two, two and a half, sort of, because I've done different things, but two and a half. But uh, I looked, I was down for a very, very short period of time, very, very short period of time. I, I can't tell you who went with me, but a whole group of people went with me. As a as inspecting factor, I was back up. And, Brian, it was during the day. It wasn't during the night. I think they reported during the night. During the night, maybe someday it makes sense. During the day, you have tremendous numbers of people. We didn't even have protesters, or if they did, it was a small crowd. There's so much fake news going around, Brian, you have no idea. Maybe you do actually have an idea. Mr. President, you gave a speech in the Rose Garden, got a thumbs up for a lot of people, especially your supporters, and then you said, you know, I'm going to go into a very important place. 
uh, they quickly cleared out uh, Lafayette Park, and you walked through uh, with uh, many of your staffers, from Kaylee McEnany to the Secretary of Defense, who said he didn't know where he was going at the time. And you appeared at St. John's Church, which was boarded up, and you held up a Bible. Uh, the Reverend James Martin, a Jesuit priest and author uh, of, of, of a book on that church, says the church is not a photo op, the religion is not a political tool, and God is not a plaything. He's among some religious leaders who are very critical of that visit. What's your response? Well, my response is simple. Most religious leaders loved it. I heard Franklin Graham this morning thought it was great. I heard many other people think it was great. And it's only the other side that didn't like it. You know, the opposing, uh, the opposition party, as the expression goes. Uh, they burned down the church the day before. I heard how nice and wonderful the protesters were over there, really. Then why did they burn down the church the day before? They burned down a big section of it. Fortunately, they were able to catch it in time. This is a church built at a similar time as the White House. And Madison was your, was your president. He was number six, I believe. And Madison was your president, and he was the first president to enter and go to that church. Now, uh, when I said go to the church, I didn't know protesters or not. Nobody tells me that. They say, yes, sir, we'll go to the church. So we walked over to the church. It was very fast. I think it was very symbolic. I did hold up a Bible. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And many religious leaders loved it. Uh, as to if you read Molly Hemingway, who I know you're a fan of and I'm a big fan of, you know, she wrote a piece that was all fake news. There's so much fake news. Most news is fake. Uh, they're corrupt and they're fake. The lamestream media. And if you read the story and if you read what Molly Hemingway said, who's a real reporter, a great journalist, uh, you'll see that that story was fake. They didn't use tear gas. They didn't use they moved them out. Now, when I went, I didn't say, oh, move them out. I didn't know who was there. I figured I was going to walk right. over the church very nearby. So uh, if you read the Molly Hemingway piece, you'll get the real story. But most religious leaders loved it. Why wouldn't they love it? I'm standing in front of a church that went through trauma, to put it mildly. I mean, the whole basement, a big part of the basement was burning. It's lucky that it's very lucky that church didn't burn down. And that's a, a very right. important church. So I haven't I heard, with you. I haven't heard what the, you told me. Uh, Mr. President, uh, was the original intent to go inside and find and see the damage? And what, did you notice it was boarded up when you got there? No, I, they told me it was boarded up, and I said, it's all right, we'll stand by the church, we won't go inside. It, it had, you know, received a very bad burning. Uh, I would have been able to go inside if I wanted to, but it was boarded up. The, the whole building was just about boarded up, but I would have been able to go in. But uh, there's no reason for it. It was smoke, a lot of smoke and a lot of a lot of damage, actually, a lot of damage. But it was confined to one area. The fire itself was confined to one area. But, Brian, the church leaders love that I went there with the Bible. I mean, take yeah. a look at Franklin Graham, so respected, and, and so many others. Uh, take a look at Robert Jeffress. Oh. These are all people you know. They thought it was a great symbol, you. and I thought it was a great symbol. But the fake news makes everything look bad, no matter what you do. Like we did a great job on ventilators. We're giving them now to countries all over the world. We're making them. When I started, we had practically none. The cupboards were bare. The Obama administration left us practically nothing. You don't hear those stories. They don't write about that. We tested number 16 right. million yesterday, much more than anybody else. You don't hear that we've done well in testing. They always say, well, why not more? And yet Germany is at 3 million. We're at 16 million. And uh, we have incredible testing now. So, you know, we've done a great job, but we don't get credit for it. But hopefully the people understand. 
So you have a pandemic and a national unrest, two unprecedented things, I would argue, in my lifetime and probably yours. Um, but the big picture, I thought we'd be talking about the day after uh, George, uh, George Floyd's tragic death, which I think you agree. It seems that law enforcement, you don't want to convict someone before they have trial. But 96 percent right. of the country thinks that was out of bounds. The knee on the neck killed him. I'm one of them. Uh, we can't see where the yeah. trial comes out. But this is the one stat I want to bring you to, and I'm going to ask you if you can attack this. According to a Axios Ispos poll, 70% of white Americans say they trust the local police. Only 36% of African Americans do. How do you attack that problem? How do you change things? Well, I think it's a very sad problem. As you know, as a Republican, I'm doing very well with African Americans and with the vote. Uh, with the uh, in polls and everything, especially I mean, I haven't seen one very recently because you had the plague come in from China. So that changed things up. But we had the best economy ever. We had the best numbers for African-American unemployment and unemployment in history, best home ownership, best everything. We had the best numbers in everything, not only African-American, but the African-American well, numbers were But how do you handle great. the law enforcement part of this? Well, I think you have to get better than what they've been doing. I mean, obviously, that was a terrible thing. And I've spoken about it numerous times in various speeches. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I spoke about it when we launched a very successful rocket, a tremendous program that culminated on that day. And now obviously it goes on from there. But I then made a speech and it was a speech about the rocket. And I devoted 25 percent of the speech probably to what happened or more to what happened with respect to uh, George, George Floyd. And it was and, and then you listen to this. He doesn't talk about George Floyd. The rocket went off. I then made a speech and I talked about George Floyd. But they said he didn't talk about George Floyd. Half, maybe even almost half of the speech, but a large portion of the speech was devoted exactly to that. And so, you know, with with uh, with the media, you base, basically no matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. But the people right. understand it. And that's one of the beauties to social media. I mean, I would love so, not to even bother with social media, but I'm able to get my word out beautifully by social media. Fortunately, you use social media, too. Right. Uh, but we have also, to get the word uh, out. Look, we have, to, Brian, we have to get the police departments. Everybody has to do better, has to do better. This is a long term problem. This didn't happen today. This happened. I mean, a guy like Sleepy Joe Biden was in there for 43 years. And he says, I think we should do this. I saw it today. He took his mask off for the first time in a while. I haven't seen his face for a long time. And he said, I think we should do this or I think we should do that. And actually, then he started speaking through the mask again. He feels comfortable with the mask on, I think. And even though there was nobody anywhere near him, which is interesting, but well, he made a statement about what he should do. I said, he's been there for 43 years. He was vice president for eight years. He didn't do a thing. His crime bill he, was a disaster. What exactly, right. I will tell you what he said. He said he said he won't traffic in fear and division. Uh, he won't fan the flames. He'll seek to heal the racial wounds and have long that have long played our country, uh, not use them for political gain. And I assume that he says you are doing all those things. Well, you see, he was written. That speech was written. He didn't say that. He he repeated the words. That's all. That speech was written for him because he doesn't speak like that. But here's the thing. He did a crime bill that was a disaster. What he did with Clarence Thomas was a disaster. It was a disaster the way he treated Clarence Thomas, a black man, a great 
justice, as it turns out. But go back to those horrible days, the way he treated Clarence Thomas. They write books about it. There was nobody worse than Biden. Now, he's not the same Biden. He's about half, maybe less. But the fact is that he doesn't he doesn't say that he they write he's surrounded by the Democrats have bad policy in many ways. They're bad politicians because their policy open borders, take away everybody's guns. You know, they want to take your guns away, except now more people but, bought guns in the last three, four days than they have in well, a long time, because when they well, look Mr. out President, on the streets. Every, right. I know. I saw it in my own neighborhood. They were wrapped around the building buying guns all last night as yeah. uh, protesters who were actually well, in they the want, suburbs. They want security night. and they want but, safety. That's right. And, and the Democrats want to take your guns in, away. In three separate polls, he's beating you by about 10 points. Okay, How do you and I have that? other polls where I'm winning, and you've seen them too, I guess. But I have polls. Just like last time, I was losing to Hillary in every state, and I won every state, okay? I won Michigan. I won Wisconsin. I won places that they didn't even think were pollable. They didn't even want to go bother. We have tremendous support. Uh, I've seen many polls. CNN, didn't CNN just have a poll, which they didn't want to use, where I was winning every single swing state? I think you've seen that. Uh, I had another poll yesterday. Yeah, two weeks back. Uh, I had another yep. poll, that, and, and CNN didn't want to use it, so they used another poll where mostly Democrats were polled. Take a look at who they're polling, if they poll anybody, because I don't even think they go out and poll. I think they sit at a desk and say, give this number, give that right. number. That's what happened last time. The polling was ridiculous, other than two or three polls, which I do use, and I'm, which I'm doing very, very well with. But I saw another poll where I'm winning every swing state, substantially. And why wouldn't I? I built one of the great. I built the greatest economy we've ever had. I built the greatest economy in the world in a fairly short period of time, three and a half years. Then the plague came in from China. They shouldn't have let it happen. Not right. They they it came in from China. In fact, I see today there's a big article that they weren't very uh, transparent or forthcoming, to put it mildly. The stall they call it. To the WHO. I built this great economy, and I'm building it again, Brent. By the time of election, I believe the economy will be doing phenomenal numbers, big job increases, big GDP increases, and that'll be before the election. I also think by the end of the year, we'll have a vaccine. We're doing very well. I just had a meeting yesterday. I think we're going to have uh, therapeutics and I think we're going to have cures. So we're going to be in very good shape. Uh, But, you know, and right now, by the way, the numbers came out today and they were much better than anybody would have thought. And the stock market is booming. The stock market is at 26,000, almost 26,000 right now. The Dow. And who would think that? Because people know. And we're going to have a great year next year. It's going to be a phenomenal year. We're going to have a very good third quarter. We're going to have a phenomenal fourth quarter. And if, if I'm heading in that direction, uh, I think it's. I think we're going to be very hard to beat, frankly, because Sleepy Joe would turn off immediately. I know you. You got a, about a hundred meetings today, and I appreciate this time. I so do. does our audience. But Mr. President, a couple of things. The word is you want to invite Vladimir Putin to the G7 meeting. Let's say it's in September. What has he done to earn back the trust of the free world? He hasn't left the Ukraine. He hasn't left Georgia. Yeah. Creates havoc in Venezuela. He does, does, do you see where he deserves this respect? Yeah, well, look, you know, helped us with the oil industry, which was good for him, too. But we got it up, and now we're going to save millions of jobs in Texas and North Dakota and other places, Oklahoma, with millions of jobs. I mean, the oil now is sustainable. I mean, it was down to zero, which would have ruined – we would have lost 5 million jobs. Uh, but, no, it's not a question of what's he done. 
question of common sense. So we have a G7. He's not there. Half of the meeting is devoted to Russia. And if he was there, it'd be much easier to solve. He used to be. It used to be the G8. And Obama got taken over to cleaners. I mean, Obama had his pockets picked. And uh, as you know, Putin did something that he shouldn't have done because he didn't respect Obama, perhaps. And Obama got upset, and the United States said, we don't want to be here if Putin's going to be there. The problem is many of the things that we talk about are about Putin. So so we're just sitting around wasting time because then you have to finish your meeting and somebody has to call Putin or deal with Putin on on different things. And I say, have him in the room. Have him in the room. Uh, It used to be the G8. And I don't say deserving or non-deserving. I say common sense. Get things done. I want to have a nuclear pact, a, a safe nuclear, because nuclear is the single biggest problem the world has single biggest problem right. the power and china, we have them and we have more than anybody we have more than anybody uh, china is a very big problem and we did very well with so china but then they is said that deal the done Excuse is that me? deal done is that the deal trade done? Deal is not done, buying but the trade beans? deal got finished and the ink wasn't dry when the uh when the virus floated over from china and started killing everybody in the world not just here in the whole world you look at brazil look right. at these countries look at what italy went through and spain and france and all of them i mean the whole world 100 186 countries uh, so when you say is the trade deal done? Yeah, the trade deal's done. It was a great deal. China was having before the plague. China was having the worst year they've had in, in 66 years. That's because of me. I'm, and I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying that these presidents let China pick our pockets. And I did a great trade deal. But you know what? Uh, you know, I'm not excited about anything with respect to China right now because of what happened. They could have they could have sealed it. They could have closed it off. And I ask this, why is it Wuhan, it came out of Wuhan, why is it that it didn't go to China, but it went to the rest of the world? It went to Europe, it went to the world, it went to the United States. Came right. out of Wuhan, but it didn't go to Beijing, it didn't go to other parts of China. What's that all about? So how come they let it go out yeah. to the world, but they didn't let it go into China? Uh, that's a little strange deal going on there. Lastly, uh, I know you've been taking aim at Joe Scarborough and Chris Cuomo. Why put them in your crosshairs when there's so many other huge problems out there? I just do it. You know, people hit me, I hit back. It's just, you know, I fight. I, I've always felt that about Scarborough. I have a, lot, a lot of people in Florida felt he got away with murder, I think. So, uh, you know, I've always felt that that's not an a uncommon story, I mean, if you look at it. So we don't have to waste time on it. But uh, I've always felt that he got away with murder. That was my feeling, a very strong feeling, and I do feel it. Uh, as far as uh, Chris Cuomo, no, I just report on his ratings. His ratings are terrible, unlike your ratings at Fox and Friends, where you're doing fantastically well. Thank you, Mr. President. I think I help you a lot. But right. you have three great people, including you. You used to be yeah. a six. Then you got to be a seven or eight, and now you're approaching the nine territory. But those other two are great, right, and uh, just they're great. Always room for improvement. Now, that's what a good coach does. You leave that's uh, right. room that's for improvement. That's right. There is. Uh, Ms. That's true. Uh, Mr. President, it's a critical time in America's history. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day and all your meetings. Thank you very much, Brian. You take care. Congratulations on 10 years. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, that is uh, the hour. That was a half hour. It's very kind of the president to give us that type of time. We'll review that. We're going to play this in entirety uh, next hour. If you don't carry this hour, don't worry about it. We'll be bringing it back. And if you ever missed the show, go to Brian, uh, com and you could order the podcast on iTunes as well as Spotify. Spotify. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We've got a big hour going away. You're going to hear uh, an interview with President Trump uh, coming to you, of course, come from New York to the world headquarters of The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio and Fox News, Fox News Network, but also heard around the country and around the world. So President Trump just joined me, uh, and you'll get the whole entire interview, uh, and I'm glad you're going to be doing that. Uh, also, keep in mind, day eight, we did not have a terrible night last night, which is a good sign. That's the type of time we're in. And I just think it's time for all these governors to release the country from the grip of a lockdown, especially here in New York, where businesses not only find themselves under fire from looters, but no ability to fight their way out of debt, which is surely waiting them as rent piles up and the lack of customers threatens to destroy their utter livelihoods. Uh, Meanwhile, we know Barack Obama is going to speak at 5 o'clock today. We know that Joe Biden spoke yesterday. See if they take aim at the uh, President of the United States, which I think would be classless, but it wouldn't be beneath him. And by the way, a great letter written by George W. Bush and his wife Laura today about the state of our country and race relations. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. People are protesting across this nation, and people have stories that add some fact and merit to what's going on in our nation when we come to people of color, especially uh, African-American males. So we have to change. Uh, There you go. 70%. That is Captain Ron Johnson, retired Missouri Highway Patrol officer. 70% of whites in America trust their local police. 36% of blacks. What will it take to close that gap? I want your opinion. Number two. I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. It was a disgrace. He can attack me all he wants. I'm used to it from him. He dishonored the men and women of the NYPD in an absolutely inappropriate way. Uh, That is New York pointing fingers. As the nation's biggest, most lucrative city is being torn apart, the governor and mayor and police force are all blaming each other, emblematic of the problems in the entire country. What's the right way forward? I'll tell you what should happen here and where we're at today. Number one. A lot of the folks out there are actually doing the right thing. They're protecting the people, protecting civilians, honoring George Floyd's memory. There's also an entire parallel universe that's going on. Criminal wilding mobs. Pat Brosnan, former NYPD detective, weighing in on day eight of the unrest while protests continued to rage. Riots did not. Have we turned the corner? I asked the president that. You'll hear it. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see if we have because... In 28 states, uh, including Washington, D.C., they've activated the National Guard. Tensions run high across the city, uh, from city to city. Overall, 67,000 National Guard members are there. You only do that in times of strife. In Philadelphia, they gathered outside City Hall on Tuesday after a night of explosive tension. We didn't see that last night. Atlanta, police and military pressed uh, personnel used tear gas to disperse the crowd, gathered near the Centennial Park area. Remember that during the Super Bowl. Uh, in New York, Mayor, De- and of course the Olympics, uh, in New York, Mayor de Blasio announced an 8 p.m. curfew. It seemed to have helped. 
In California, protesters filled the street with chants of Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, the city of Santa Monica enacted among the strictest curfews in the nation starting at 2 p.m. The LAPD made hundreds of arrests throughout the city. In St. Louis, President Trump um, expressed condolences to the family of David Dorn, a retired police captain who was killed at 77, just providing security for a uh, PAWN pawn shop of a friend of his. It's just tragic what's going on. But if you can get past the unrest, we could focus on the underlying problem. And that's the way law enforcement is viewed in the African-American community. And that's why Tim Waltz, the Democrat governor of Minnesota, said this about what he's going to be doing to try to reform his police force. Got one. I think the thing I'm hearing from the protesters is we're not we're not watching and we don't care what you say. We care what you do. So today, as a step towards that deconstruction of systemic racism, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights is filing a commissioner's charge of discrimination to launch a civil rights investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. The investigation will review MPD's policies, procedures, and practices over the last 10 years. So they're going to do an investigation. Now, we know the police union head said that they've asked for 400 cops that didn't get them. He also had negative things to say about George Floyd saying that George Floyd had fentanyl in his system and has been arrested before for a violent arrest. So people gave a big pushback on that, but that's the background that's going to be coming up during the case and should be. you got to have a fair trial. As horrific as the actions of that officer were and the three others, or four others that did nothing, you got to give people a fair trial. Are they going to get one in Minneapolis? That's going to be the case a little bit later on. We're going to be talking about that case, too, and how George Floyd actually died. Meanwhile, Joe Biden came out of uh, his bunker, his basement, to speak yesterday because he sees an opportunity to bring the country together by pointing out how bad the president is. Cut for Pain is raw. The pain is real. The president of the United States must be part of the solution, not the problem. But this president today is part of the problem and accelerates it. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. I'll seek to heal the racial wounds that have long plagued our country, not use them for political gain. President's point is, really? You've been there for 50 years since you were 28 years old. You're now 77. And now you're going to come up with a way to heal our nation's wounds? Thanks for holding out on us. Good luck. I mean, it's a 42-year-old or 44-year-old Barack Obama says that. That has a lot more weight than a 77-year-old vice president who has had one of the most powerful positions in the country. And if he was so respected by the president, we could have gotten a hold of his program. But he did have some great ideas, uh, like when it comes to law enforcement, having the ability to shoot people in the right places, which is always a plus. He had a, a great line, and oh, the great line, I'm being sarcastic. He said, we can retrain people. For example, if a guy's coming at you with a knife, don't shoot him in this chest. Shoot him in the leg. That is brilliant. I never thought of that, and neither has anybody that ever taught a police officer in any academy ever. But last night, I hope we did turn the corner. Uh, these whole dropping off of pallets, of, um, of uh, bats, and pallets of, of, um, of when you see uh, of bricks... And you see these, uh, these rakes that are just ripping open this glass and people throwing skateboards through windows. This is coordinated. This is, dare I say, people are trained.
That's why I believe that you got to have people who are trained to stop it. And that's what the National Guard is about. That's what I thought. Here's Trey Gowdy. Cut 15. Well, it wouldn't be a last resort, but uh, I think we used our military to help Ebola victims in Africa. So if we can send our military to help rebuild other civilizations and protect other people, it should be a last resort. But, but when the police are overwhelmed and you're calling in the National Guard, public safety is the preeminent function of government. By any means necessary, it must be preserved. I wish the military weren't required, but if they are, bring them in. Yeah, uh, at least the National Guard, because the, the governor should be calling it up. If I'm, if I'm responsible for my constituents' health and welfare, why wouldn't you do that? And just let me just provide a fact that everybody in New York knows. You can't go to Penn Station or Grand Central Station more than two days without seeing the National Guard in full camouflage with rifles and bulletproof vests. Why would it be different now? Just stop Al-Qaeda, not Antifa? Speaking of Antifa, no one's done more research in the country on Antifa than Lara Logan, the outstanding reporter who works for Fox Nation and Fox. She has been doing some uh, research work and seeing how they're keeping in touch with people uh, and each other on the Internet. Cut 18. You talked about people being in the face of police officers. That's about provoking a reaction. What do they want? They want to return to May 4th, 1970, when someone in the National Guard opened fire and um, innocent protesters, you know, were massacred, right? Those old pictures, if you look them up, of hippies putting flowers in the barrels of National Guard guns. And then, you know, the result is uh, ultimately that people lie, innocent people are dead. That's what they're trying to get, that kind of image. And uh, law enforcement is gathering case after case after case that document this, which is kind of extraordinary when you look at all the propaganda, uh, not just coming from the anarchists themselves and their political backers, but coming from the media as well. So I got Tom Bevan next. I don't want to take too much time from him. They've got the president of the United States the second half hour. Uh, I don't want to take too much time from the president, but Tom Bevan's real quick politics. But I do want to play this. This is how bad things are getting in New York. And you cannot tell me that we're not suffering because of this. And when I say we, I'm talking about the number one city that generates more revenue when allowed to work than any other city with the biggest mass transportation and the first subway system in the history of the country, in the history of the world. Governor Andrew Cuomo knows exactly what went wrong for the last seven days, save last night, and had nothing to do with him. Cut 21. The police in New York City were not effective at doing their job last night, period. They have to do a better job. You have 38,000 NYPD people. It is the largest police department in the United States of America. Use 38,000 people and protect property. Use the police, protect property and people. Look at the videos. It was a disgrace. I believe that. Uh, I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. I think he underestimates the duration of the problem. Unbelievable. I've never seen somebody less accountable and get more and get less grief than Governor Cuomo ever. Back in a moment with Tom Bevin, the president trailing in almost every major poll. He doesn't have a problem with it. Tom Bevan, a real clear politics, what he's seeing as we were in this unprecedented time in our lifetime. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
By the way, Brian's getting close to 10 territory. Actually, Mr. President, he's already there. Celebrating 10 years. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Donald Trump is turning this country into a battlefield driven by old resentments and fresh fears. He thinks division helps him. His narcissism has become more important than the nation's well-being that he leads. I ask every American, I mean this in the bottom of my ask every American, look at where we are now and think anew. Is this who we are? Is this who we want to be? That is uh, Vice President Biden, who wants to be the next president of the United States in November. Uh, is he doing the things necessary? Well, the poll ratings are up. But what does it mean so early? Not much, considering we're in a pandemic. And then we got this uh, unrest. And who knows what's going to be around the corner. It's one of these times in which you could say unprecedented. Let's bring in Tom Bevan, Real Clear Politics. Tom, where do you think this race is at right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's hard to say. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there, as you mentioned. I mean, there's there's all sorts of cross currents about, you know, lockdowns, left versus right, the, you know, protests versus the riots, uh, the unrest. So <clears throat> I, we see a lot of volatility. And um, if you look at our, our electoral map of Real Clear Politics, we have like 15 states that are considered toss-ups. I think most people, you know, the consensus is it's going to be five states, but you know, the sort of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, maybe Arizona, something like that. <clears throat> but I think there's a real opportunity for surprises to happen in states that we're not even really paying attention to now, depending on how things play out. So, I mean, Biden is ahead, has a pretty consistent lead in the national polls, about five or six points. But we've seen a number of, of swing state polls that have come out recently that show Trump uh, either even or maybe even with a small lead. And that that could portend another situation where Donald Trump loses the popular vote by a healthy margin, uh, you know, three, maybe even four points, and yet still wins re-election on the strength of his distribution of votes in the Electoral College in the states that matter. Uh, kind of interesting. So right now the president's got 40 percent approval on how he's handling uh, these riots and unrest. Uh, we know the pandemic is a little bit higher than that. Uh, I guess a lot is going to have to happen. What changes in the summer? There was a time in which you didn't pay attention much in the summer. But I think now we're going to be paying attention every day because everything going on affects all of our lives. Do you have a in a city? Then it affects you. Are you a, a victim of the pandemic? Are you in any place? Any state in the union outside maybe Montana has had their lifestyle affected by this. And then you look to Washington to see what's going to change. So... It really, the president really does have his future in his own hands to a degree. I think that's right. I mean, you know, if you look at Trump's overall job approval rating, it's been pretty steady. I mean, it's taken a hit here just in the last few days, but, but by and large, um, it's, it's bounced around. I mean, Democrats hate him and, and never give him credit for anything, no matter what. And Republicans have largely been supportive of him. Um, 
and independents have sort of bounced around. So, but they're looking at they're looking at obviously his handling of the pandemic, his handling of of the current unrest, and also where the economy is and where the economy is going to be in five months. I mean, I think that's obviously a very important factor in in how and all these things are sort of intertwined because we've locked down the economy the way that we have and. Um, and you've got both candidates now saying they're going to be the ones or they're, they're able to, to be the ones who can restore, uh, you know, economic growth. And, and the question is, who voters believe? Do they believe Joe Biden more on that count or do they believe President Trump, who says, I, I did it once, I can do it again? So we'll see how that turns out. But it's, it's definitely um, and we'll be paying attention. The other thing I would say to Brian is. The, the way that the news flows, and you know this better than anyone, on a day-to-day basis, the speed with which uh, we take in news now and the, and the way things happen, this could all be a distant memory. These protests, for example, could be a distant memory in, in you know, two months, let alone five months when people go to the polls. So hard to say. you got to kind of take it day by day and, and analyze things as they are, because who knows where things will be uh, in a few weeks from now. With the African American vote, uh, the president of the United States uh, feels as though he may he's going to make more inroads than ever, especially because he had great numbers in terms of economic numbers. There, does he have a possibility of winning over that segment, that demog- that ethnic background? I, I mean, <clears throat> not Is that really. 11% I mean, but, now? No. yeah, but I mean, the, the, the thing is, he doesn't need to win. He needs to improve his margin with African-Americans, uh, you know, by a point or two or three. He doesn't need to win 50 percent of African-Americans or even 30 percent of African-Americans. If he wins 12 percent or 15 percent, that will be enough to tip the scales in his favor. Now, is he doing that right now? Not really. And I think he's probably, given the, the coverage that's gone on and the way the media has treated uh, all of this, you know, recently, it's going to be hard for him. But you do hear, and I've heard for a long time, and you've probably heard as well, anecdotal stories from, from folks in the black community who said, look, you know, the economy's great. I like what Trump's been doing. Um, you know, he did have record uh, employment numbers for African-Americans uh, leading into, the, you know, the last few months. So um, whether that ultimately, you know, comes back and, and is able to make a difference on the margins for him, we'll have to wait and see. Thanks a lot, Tom Bevan. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the President of the United States, uh, and we'll talk about everything that's going on in the country right now that Tom kind of outlined. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Don't move. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show welcome back everyone it's brian kilmeade show uh you know this is the 10-year anniversary of the show and we had a chance to talk to the president uh, often on radio before he was a president and when he became the president he's joined us about three or four times and i think the last time was what about eight months ago uh, so he joined us uh less just about an hour ago 
and now he's running like 20 meetings, and I'm sure he's watching Rod Rosenstein uh, testify right now in front of Senator Lindsey Graham's committee, where Rosenstein's already made some news. He basically said, I wouldn't have signed the warrant, uh, and Andy McCabe, who was not forthcoming with us, I can't tell you if he lied, but I can tell you he was not forthcoming with me, so I find this uh, very interesting. My personal opinion about Rod Rosenstein and this whole investigation in Russia, in the beginning, I think he thought, my opinion only, I think he thought that Trump was complicit with Russia. And I think it became pretty clear to him that he wasn't. And he landed the plane. His words. I know how to land the plane. He landed the plane. So now here's my interview with President, uh, President Trump that you hear for many of you for the first time in its entirety. Listen. Here's the President of the United States. Mr. President, thanks so much for joining us from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, thank you very much, and congratulations on 10 years on radio. Wow, that's pretty good. I remember when you yeah. were one day on radio. All right, it's been a long time, but that's a great job. Yeah. You're doing a great job, Brian. You were hosting, thanks so much, Mr. President. You were hosting The Apprentice back then. You were number one of the that's ratings right. when we started, uh, and right. I got the number one job in the country. I just was curious, the place you used to live, uh, where the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, the National Guard? Is, a, is not going to work here? They're not trained to handle unrest? Do you agree with that? No, not at all. It's, uh, if you look at what happened in Minnesota, they were getting decimated. And after three days of watching it, I demanded that the National Guard be utilized. And in one day, it was over. In fact, they got there at a certain time in the late afternoon. And by the time they finished, it was, uh, I always say uh, somewhat sarcastically, but the safest place on earth. Uh, and Minnesota was really... Uh, really having a hard time and we took care of it and the governor's a nice man and he was you know not using enough and he was uh, you saw the police were running in minneapolis and they were running uh, away from their precinct which is something i've never seen before you have a liberal mayor that frankly uh, was having a lot of trouble and you have a liberal very liberal mayor in new york too and you notice that all of these places that have problems are not run by Republicans. They're run by liberal Democrats. So there is something into that philosophy. And yet they're also the ones keeping everybody locked up in their apartments and their homes for a lo too long a period of time. So it's very interesting how that changes. But, no, uh, the National Guard, we could solve that problem in New York. And, in fact, if they don't get their act straightened out, I will solve it. I'll solve it fast. Last night uh, was uh, one of the best nights in day eight, uh, especially in New York. We didn't see the riots. We saw the protests, even though it wasn't perfect. Do you think we've turned the corner according to the reports you get? Well, you may, but you still had a lot of people, and they're violent people in many cases. Uh, you have protesters, but you also have uh, uh, anarchists and looters and a lot of people that are bad, you know, bad people, okay? A lot of bad people. Uh, we have a lot of uh, proof and information and proof. You'll be seeing it in time to come where they're delivering rocks and stones to certain locations and dumping them. So they have that's their ammunition. And that hurts people very badly, including National Guard people or even military people. But Washington uh, is in great shape. We called out the National Guard after the first night, which was a little bit rougher, but then after that we called up and we have, I, I jokingly said, a little bit jokingly maybe, it's one of the safest places on earth. And we had no problem at all last night. We had a substantial dominant force and it, we have to have a dominant force. Maybe it doesn't sound good to say it, but you have to have a dominant force. We need law and order. 
Um, Sunday wasn't the case. We had Owen Leland Vitter uh, reporting no problem. It got dark, a huge problem. He was attacked. And then the reports were they were so worried they brought you downstairs in the White House to a bunker. What could you tell me Sunday night, Sunday night was like for you and your family? Well, it was a false report. Uh, I wasn't down. I went down uh, during the day, and I was there for a tiny sh- little short period of time, and it was much more for an inspection. There was no problem during the day. The problem, I saw Leland got uh, whacked pretty good, but that was during the night. And this problem, these problems are during the night, not during the day. And I go down, I've gone down uh, two or three times, all for inspection. And you go there, someday you may need it. But you go there, and I went down, I looked at it. It was during the day. It was not a problem. And I read about it like a big thing. There was never a problem. We never had a problem. No, nobody ever uh, came close to giving us a problem. The Secret Service does an unbelievable job of, of maintaining control in the White House. And beyond the Secret Service, we have a lot of other great people out there, including the D.C. police. Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, after I saw the the one evening, which was a little rough, and it was certainly rough on Leland, I think more so than anybody else, uh, we brought in the we brought in the troops. So, Mr. President, I remember on 9-11, the President Bush wanted to land back at Washington. They wouldn't let him. They said it's too dangerous. Finally got him back there. Sometimes the Secret Service even tells the president, I can't do this. So you tell me, Mr. President, they didn't say to you, uh, you have to go downstairs. Uh, my, my responsibility is your welfare. They didn't limit you at all in the House? Nope, they didn't tell me that at all. But they said it would be a good time to go down, take a look, because maybe sometime you're going to need it. And I've been down, uh, let's see, that would be number two, two and a half, sort of, because I've done different things, but two and a half. But uh, I looked, I was down for a very, very short period of time, very, very short period of time. I, I can't tell you who went with me, but a whole group of people went with me as a as inspecting factor. I was back up, and Brian, it was during the day. It wasn't during the night. I think they reported during the night. During the night, maybe someday it makes sense. During the day, you have tremendous numbers of people. We didn't even have protesters, or if they did, it was a small crowd. There's so much fake news going around, Brian, you have no idea. Maybe you do actually have an idea. Mr. President, you gave a speech in the Rose Garden, got a thumbs up for a lot of people, especially your supporters. And then you said, you know, I'm going to go to a very important place. Uh, they quickly cleared out uh, Lafayette Park, and you walked through uh, with uh, many of your staffer, from Kaylee McEnany to the Secretary of Defense, who said he didn't know where he was going at the time. And you appeared at St. John's Church, which was boarded up, and you held up a Bible. Uh, the Reverend James Martin, a Jesuit priest and author uh, of, of, of a book on that church, says the church is not a photo op, the religion is not a political tool, and God is not a plaything. He's among some religious leaders who are very critical of that visit. What's your response? Well, my response is simple. Most religious leaders loved it. I heard Franklin Graham this morning thought it was great. I heard many other people think it was great. And it's only the other side that didn't like it. You know, the opposing, uh, the opposition party, as the expression goes. Uh, They burned down the church the day before. I heard how nice and wonderful the protesters were over there, really. Then why did they burn down the church the day before? They burned down a big section of it. Fortunately, they were able to catch it in time. This is a church built at a similar time as the White House. 
And Madison was your was your president. He was number six, I believe. And Madison was your president, and he was the first president to enter and go to that church. Now, uh, when I said go to the church, I didn't know protesters or not. Nobody tells me that. They say, yes, sir, we'll go to the church. So we walked over to the church. It was very fast. I think it was very symbolic. I did hold up a Bible. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And many religious leaders loved it. Uh, Mr. President, uh, was the original attempt to go inside and find and see the damage? And did you notice it was boarded up when you got there? No, I, they told me it was boarded up. And I said, it's all right. We'll stand by the church. We won't go inside. It, it had, you know, received a very bad burning. Uh, I would have been able to go inside if I wanted to, but it was boarded up. The, the whole building was just about boarded up, but I would have been able to go in. But uh, there's no reason for it. It was smoke, a lot of smoke and a lot of a lot of damage, actually, a lot of damage. But it was confined to one area. The fire itself was confined to one area. But, Brian, the church leaders love that I went there with the Bible. I mean, take yeah. a look at Franklin Graham, so respected, and, and so many others. Uh, take a look at Robert Jeffress. Oh. These are all people you know. They thought it was a great symbol, you. and I thought it was a great symbol. But the fake news makes everything look bad, no matter what you do. Like, we did a great job on ventilators. We're giving them now to countries all over the world. We're making them. When I started, we had practically none. The cupboards were bare. The Obama administration left us practically nothing. You don't hear those stories. They don't write about that. We tested number 16 million yesterday, much more than anybody else. You don't hear that we've done well in testing. They always say, well, why not more? And yet Germany is at 3 million. We're at 16 million. And uh, we have incredible testing now. So, you know, we've done a great job, but we don't get credit for it. But hopefully the people understand. Uh, that's the president. I got much more with the president when we come back here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. Uh, just moments ago, I finished up an interview with the President of the United States. You heard part one. Here's the rest. So you have a pandemic and a national unrest, two unprecedented things, I would argue, in my lifetime and probably yours. Um, but the big picture, I thought we'd be talking about the day after uh, George, uh, George Floyd's tragic death which I think you agree, it seems that law enforcement, you don't want to convict someone before they have trial, but 96% of the country thinks that was out of bounds. The knee on the neck killed him. I'm one of them. Uh, We can't see where the trial comes out. But this is the one stat I want to bring you to, and I'm going to ask you if you can attack this. According to a Axios Ispos poll, 70% of white Americans say they trust the local police. Only 36% of African Americans do. How do you attack that problem? How do you change things? Well, I think it's a very sad problem. As you know, as a Republican, I'm doing very well with African-Americans and with the vote, uh, with the, in polls and everything, especially. I mean, I haven't seen one very recently because you had the plague come in from China. So that changed things up. But we had the best economy ever. We had the best numbers for African-American unemployment and unemployment in history, best home ownership, best everything. We had the best numbers in everything, not only African-American, but the African-American well, numbers were But how do you handle great. the law enforcement part of this? Well, I you think you have to get better than what they've been doing. I mean, obviously, that was a terrible thing. 
and I've spoken about it numerous times in various speeches. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I spoke about it when we launched a very successful rocket, a tremendous program that culminated on that day. And now obviously it goes on from there. But I then made a speech and it was a speech about the rocket. And I devoted 25 percent of the speech probably to what happened or more to what happened with respect to uh, George, George Floyd. And it was and, and then you listen to this. He doesn't talk about George Floyd. The rocket went off. I then made a speech and I talked about George Floyd. But they said he didn't talk about George Floyd. Half, maybe even almost half of the speech, but a large portion of the speech was devoted exactly to that. And so, you know, with with uh, with the media, you base, basically no matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. But the people right. understand it. And that's one of the beauties to social media. I mean, I would love so, not to even bother with social media, but I'm able to get my word out beautifully by social media. Fortunately, you use social media, too. Right. Uh, but we have also, to get the word uh, out. Look, we have to. Right. We have to get. The police departments, everybody has to do better. I know you, you got a, about 100 meetings today, and I appreciate this time. I so do. does our audience. But, Mr. President, a couple of things. The word is you want to invite Vladimir Putin to the G7 meeting. Let's say it's in September. What has he done to earn back the trust of the free world? He hasn't left the Ukraine. He hasn't left Georgia. Yeah. Creates havoc in Venezuela. He does, does, do you see where he deserves this respect? Yeah, well, look, you know, helped us with the oil industry, which was good for him, too. But we got it up and now we're going to save millions of jobs in Texas and North Dakota and other places, Oklahoma, with millions of jobs. I mean, the oil now is sustainable. I mean, it was down to zero, which would have ruined. We would have lost five million jobs. Uh, but no, it's not a question of what's he done. It's a question of common sense. So we have a G7. He's not there. Half of the meeting is devoted to Russia. And if he was there, it would be much easier to solve. He used to be. It used to be the G8. And Obama got taken over the cleaners. I mean, Obama had his pockets picked. And uh, as you know, Putin did something that he shouldn't have done because he didn't respect Obama, perhaps. And Obama got upset. And the United States said, we don't want to be here if Putin's going to be there. The problem is many of the things that we talk about are about Putin. So, I, so we're just sitting around wasting time. Because then you have to finish your meeting and somebody has to call Putin or deal with Putin on, on different things. And I say, have him in the room. Have him in the room. Uh, it used to be the G8. from a, And I don't say deserving or non-deserving. I say common sense. Get things done. I want to have a nuclear pact, a, a safe nuclear, because nuclear is the single biggest problem the world has. Single biggest problem. Right. The power. And China. we have them, and we have more than anybody. We have more than anybody. China is a very big problem, and we did very well with so China. But then they said, "Is sent that deal done? Plague. Excuse is that me? deal done? Is that the deal done? Deal is not done but the trade beans? deal got finished, and the ink wasn't dry when the uh, when the virus floated over from China and started killing everybody in the world. Not just here, in the whole world. You look at Brazil, look right. at these countries, look at what Italy went through, and Spain, and France, and all of them. I mean, the whole world, hundred hundred and eighty six countries." Uh, so when you say is the trade deal, yeah, the trade deal's done. It was a great deal. China was having before the plague. China was having the worst year they've had in, in 66 years. That's because of me. I'm, and I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying that these presidents let China pick our pockets. And I did a great trade deal. But you know what? Uh, you know, I'm not excited about anything with respect to China right now because of what happened. They could have they could have sealed it. 
They could have closed it off. And I ask this, why is it Wuhan, it came out of Wuhan, why is it that it didn't go to China, but it went to the rest of the world? It went to Europe, it went to the world, it went to the United States. Came right. out of where, but it didn't go to Beijing. It didn't go to other parts of China. What's that all about? So how come they let it go out yeah. to the world, but they didn't let it go into China? Uh, that's a little strange deal going on there. Lastly, uh, I know you've been taking aim at Joe Scarborough and Chris Cuomo. Why put them in your crosshairs when there's so many other huge problems out there? I just do it. You know, people hit me, I hit back. It's just, you know, I fight. I, I've always felt that about Scarborough. I, a, lot, a lot of people in Florida felt he got away with murder, I think. So, uh, you know, I've always felt that that's not a, a uncommon story. I mean, if you look at it, so we don't have to waste time on it. But uh, I've always felt that he got away with murder. That was my feeling, a very strong feeling, and I do feel it. Uh, as far as uh, Chris Cuomo, no, I just report on his ratings. His ratings are terrible. Unlike your ratings at Fox and Friends, where you're doing fantastically well. Thank you, Mr. President. I think I help you a lot. But you have three great people, including you. You used to be yeah. a six. Then you got to be a seven or eight, and now you're approaching the nine territory. But those other two are great, right, and uh, just, they're great. Always room for improvement. Now, that's what a good coach does. You leave that's uh, right. room that's for improvement. That's right. There is. Um, as, that's true. Uh, Mr. President, it's a critical time in America's history. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day and all your meetings. Thank you very much, Brian. You take care. Congratulations on 10 years. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate it. And I'm sure the president now is watching Rod Rosenstein talk about how he really did not, uh, what led to him releasing Robert Mueller on the world and $25 million later. Special thanks to the president, Kaylee McEnany, for setting that up. She single-handedly made that happen. The president mentioned it to me, but without her as press secretary, it wouldn't have happened. By the way, unrelated, she's doing an incredible job. Go to briankillmead.com, get Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. If you want it for Father's Day, send it out. I'll find a way to sign it and Mail it out to you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Bernie Carrick is waiting on board, the former police commissioner, uh, the 40th one we've had in this, uh, in this New York City. One was Teddy Roosevelt, of course. Um, he's going to weigh in on what's going wrong in the city and what went right last night. For the most part, it did. I cannot believe that they only had 8,000 officers over the last few days on at one time. They can put on 30 to 30 to 37,000. And they have eight? How does that make sense? And none were mounted. We just had a chance to talk to the president. We'll bring you some of that highlights. It's part of the show. It's a, it was a big Wednesday edition of the show. Middle of a pandemic, uh, in the middle of unprecedented unrest uh, around the country. Enough to have... A National Guard put out 67,000 National Guard members have been called up to try to re- put some order in this country while trying to address race relations in this country. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. People are protesting across this nation and people have stories that add some fact and merit to what's going on in our nation when we come to people of color, especially uh, African-American males. So we have to change. Well, 
Captain uh, Ron Johnson, retired Missouri Highway Patrol officer. 77% of whites in America, according to the latest poll, trust the local police. 36% of blacks. How do we close that gap? Number two. I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. It was a disgrace. He can attack me all he wants. I'm used to it from him. He dishonored the men and women of the NYPD in an absolutely inappropriate way. Uh, Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio, they hate each other. New York pointing fingers at the nation's biggest, most lucrative city. It's being torn apart. The governor, mayor, and police force are all blaming each other. Where do we go from here? Well, believe it or not, the governor's apologized. Number one. A lot of the folks out there are actually doing the right thing. They're protecting the people, protecting civilians, honoring George Floyd's memory. There's also an entire parallel universe that's going on. Criminal wilding mobs. Pat Brosnan, former NYPD detective, knows all about it. Day eight of unrest while protests continue to rage. Riots did not. That's why I'm going to turn to Bernie Carrick, uh, the longtime police commissioner under Rudy Giuliani uh, from... Uh, in the worst of times, you could argue, right after 9-11 through 2001. Uh, Bernard Carrick, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Commissioner, what did the NYPD do uh, right last night? What was different last night than the previous nights? I, I, I got to be honest, uh, Brian. I, I'm, I'm not too impressed with uh, what they're doing at all. Uh, at all. Um, this is it's gone out of control. And, and, you know, when I'm listening to the mayor talk about the governor, and I'm listening to the governor talk about the mayor. Um, the mayor said that the governor, you know, criticized the NYPD and it's disgraceful. He's disgraceful. The mayor's disgraceful. The mayor wants the NYPD to take a soft touch. These are his words. Soft touch. He wants to take and give them a soft touch. Soft touch. That's how you're going to address this. You have violent mobs. You ever see Batman? You ever see the cr- violent crime wave in Gotham City and Batman? That's what New York City looked like last night for the last several nights. There's a video. I just tweeted a video that was taken down in Soho last night. I, I almost vomited watching the video. It is insane what's going on. It should have been stopped immediately. This would have been, this could have been over the first night, second night, second night at most. Under Rudy Giuliani, this would have never, ever happened. And for the governor to criticize the NYPD, I don't blame the NYPD as much as I blame the mayor. The mayor is directing the police department on how he wants this handled. Well, they're doing what he wants. So in the meantime, they're getting beaten. They're getting pummeled with rocks and stones. They have arsonists. They have people throwing Molotov cocktails. How come there's been no deadly force? You have, I, there's 10 incidents that I've watched where officers should have shot somebody to defend themselves from boulders being hurled into the back of a cop's head to people throwing Molotov cocktails, and not one officer has used deadly force. You know why? Not because they didn't want to, not because they should, not because they are legally bound to or they have the right to. No. They didn't do it because they're scared to death, because you have a mayor and a governor and a New York state attorney general that wants to investigate them for everything under the sun. You know what? I blame the mayor. I blame the governor. The the governor is equally responsible for what's going on, 
equally. If the mayor's not doing his job and the mayor's not securing the city and the mayor can't take control, then get rid of the mayor and put somebody in a position that can do it. And he's not doing that. They're all talk. All these guys are all talk. Under Rudy Giuliani, this would never happen. We had we had hundreds of people one time, maybe five, seven hundred people come to the Brooklyn Bridge. They're going to march on the bridge. Giuliani said, no, they're not marching on the bridge. We locked up. It had to be like five, six, seven hundred people locked them all up. That was the end. No more protests. No more nonsense. No more jerking around. In this in this scenario, you have all these all these politicians talking all this garbage about peaceful protest. You maybe have two hundred people doing peaceful protests, and then all of a sudden the goblins come out, and the entire city is rampaged, and everybody's standing around saying, "Well, you know, we, we're allowing peaceful protest. This isn't about peaceful protest. The second, the second." Peaceful protest turns violent. One bottle gets thrown. One Molotov cocktail. One stone gotcha. gets... You got to go. Everybody's got to go. Mr. Commissioner, I'm looking at your Twitter feed. I'm looking at this video. Uh, I am seeing groups of car, uh, groups of people in beautiful cars. Like $50,000 cars pull up on this block. This happened last night? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, if you, know, if you notice that one car... That one car is a $400,000 car. The guy was trying to get You're through kidding. the block. It's a, it's a Rolls Royce. They sucked him out of the car like the Venus flytrap. I mean, this is insane. This is insane. The whole block. Look at that block. They're ravaging the entire block. Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. He, and here's what Governor Cuomo said. Cut 21. The police in New York City were not effective at doing their job last night, period. They have to do a better job. You have 38,000 NYPD people. It is the largest police department in the United States of America. Use 38,000 people and protect property. Use the police, protect property and people Look at the videos. It was a disgrace. I believe that. Uh, I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. I think he underestimates the duration of the problem. Well, I mean, it's like like he's talking about another state. It's his state. It's It's his city. Put your hands on the wheel. Put your windbreaker on and go go to the central command. He's he's ultimately responsible. He he forgot to say that. Um, you know, listen. You're also dealing with a mayor that is a radical left wing. He's just he's he's. You know, listen. In any other time, he'd be sympathizing with these people. So I I put the mayor aside. I put this more so. We know all about the mayor. We know what the mayor's beliefs are. We know how the mayor responds. We know how incompetent he is. Where is the governor? The governor's sitting in Albany talking about, well, the mayor should have, could have, would have, you know, whatever. Do your job. Do your job. And um, you know what? The so, um, stuff about. The, go ahead. Governor, the, the, excuse me, the, the governor's one thing. The one thing he's not talking about is there's people that are protesting and upset about racial injustice. And we're watching that. 
But there's other people that are placing bins of bricks and pickaxes strategically through the city in beautiful vehicles just looking to ransack. They're not looking to fight for George Floyd. And I'm looking at these bins. Have we ever gotten to the bottom of that? Who's putting that there? There is a, there's well, ring doorbells on every, on every apartment in New York City. we got to see who's putting this stuff there. Yeah, they're, they're going through that now. And the FBI terrorist task force, in fact, all 56 of them around the country have been put on notice by the attorney general to look into this stuff. But, Brian, I, I want to get into one thing real quick before I get, get off the air. You know, I want to touch on some numbers for a second. I want you to think of this statistically. There are 350 million people in this country, 350 million. Last year, police in the country made 10 million arrests. During those 10 million arrests, they shot fatally 1,000 people, 1,004. Out of that, 41 people were unarmed. 41 people. 19 were white, 9 were black. 19 were white, 9 were black. Out of a million arrests, 10 million arrests, 10 million. And to listen to the politicians, there's systemic racism within the police and how the police apply justice and what they do and how they do it, it's all a farce. This whole systemic racism thing within policing is a joke. And the politicians on the left, they, they pursue it. The mainstream media is the propaganda machine that pushes it. And on the, and, and on the right, the politicians, the, the, the GOP, the, the Republicans, they say nothing. Oh, we have to have more discussions. You want more discussions? Let's have a discussion about Chicago this weekend. In 48 hours, in 48 hours, 92 people shot, 27 dead. In 48 hours, you want to talk about black on black crime? You want to talk about blacks being slaughtered? What about Chicago? What about Chicago? Who's Great talking point. about them? Great point, Commissioner. But I'm going to give you this stat and tell me if you think it's correct. Because it's hard to, you can't tell people how to feel. And I've seen a few polls that are in and around this number. Only 36% of, of blacks, when asked if they trust their local police force, the community police force, only 36% said yes, 77% of whites. Whether their perception is reality, doesn't matter. That, their perception is their reality. How would you change things rather than hit them with stats which that doesn't feel like it affects them? How do we change the perception to allow African-Americans to feel like it's equal justice? You know why they feel like it's unequal justice? Because they don't know better. Nobody's talking about what I just talked about. You don't see anybody talking about that on CNN and MSNBC. In fact, they promote the opposite. The, The media is a propaganda machine for the left, the mainstream media. And until you change that, until you hold the media accountable, until you make them tell, tell the real numbers, I, I don't blame the blacks for, for saying, you know, we have no trust in the police. You know why? Because that's what they're told every single day. Everything is about race. Everything, every single thing that's on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, it's all about race. They're a propaganda machine for the radical left. And until that changes, and until they understand what the real numbers are and what really is going on, it's never going to change. Was it wrong what you saw with George Floyd? 
It was absolutely wrong. Listen, you have okay. to be a moron or you have, to ha- you have to be an outright criminal to think that that cop who did the right thing or did anything right. In fact, I probably, I was one of the first ones, I think, in the country to say he should have been charged with first-degree murder, not third. I believe his intent was, I think it was premeditated. Premeditation doesn't have to take a week. You don't have to premeditate for a week on a homicide to get charged with premeditated murder. You know what? In, in the first three minutes, it was apparent he was killing the guy. And then he continued to do what he was doing for the next three until the guy was dead. And he was dead for two minutes before they picked him up. That was premeditated gotcha. murder. He should have been charged with first right. degree. I hear you. Uh, Bernie Carrick, it's, it's uh, very impactful times. You definitely need your insight. I hope to call on you again. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I mean, millions of interactions, uh, a, thousand, uh, a thousand shootings, nine African-Americans died. A lot of cops are dying, I'll tell you that. We report way too many. Uh, we're going to come back with your phone calls and your emails, and we're going to give you more to know. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Every application that I approved appeared to be justified based on the facts it alleged. And the FBI was supposed to be following protocols to ensure that every fact was verified. The FBI was not following the protocols and that significant errors appeared in applications filed in connection with the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. And that is Rod Rosenstein going back and forth now, the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, just trying to say, basically, in the very beginning, Senator Lindsey Graham, for me, if I could summarize for best I can while doing this show simultaneously, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have went ahead and put Robert Mueller in charge of an investigation with those no substance. Had I known what I know now, after reading the Horowitz report, I would have stopped certain things that have not signed off on warrants to follow up on certain events and certain people. And outside, what Democrats are trying to do is say there was a reason for the Russian probe and the Steele dossier did not play a prominent role. But what they did is Christopher Steele did and his reporting did. And even though it wasn't referenced, it was used. So they're going back and forth on this. I think it's important to know. But unfortunately for the president and for Republicans who backed him up for two years, we've been obsessed with this story. But now that we're getting to the other side of the story and so little substance involved in it, even though it was 477 pages... Now that we're getting to the predicate of it, that there wasn't launched on a proper predicate, I sense not many people are paying attention because 40 million have lost jobs, because the National Guard called out in 26 states, because there's unrest in 70, 80 cities in America, and because we're addressing racial issues, law enforcement issues, and civil unrest and I think an Antifa-like insurgency that don't want to make this country better, don't want racial equality, don't even want reparations. They just want to take the country down. And I'm staggered to see 
how many celebrities, athletes, and leftist Democrats are perfectly okay with that. When Tiger Woods had this beautiful statement out talking about George Floyd's family and the need for justice and racial justice, but ends with a paraphrase, hope you don't mind, Tiger, it does not excuse looting and destruction. That does not tell the story. That does not help your cause. And he's vilified for it. I'm stunned. I ask myself, what country is this? And for Nike, and Phil Knight's been great to us, been on the show a number of times, but he, now he's founded it, but he's not involved in it directly every, every day they say. Go out of their way to back Kaepernick and company, and they still get looted, everything busted in, things stolen, sneakers gone, shirts, paraphernalia, everything gone. I'm saying to myself, there is no trust. And if it's labor that, that really sees eye to eye with this, and if these are mostly Democratic voters, why are you defiling the AFL-CIO? When we come back, Mark Thiessen tries to put it all in perspective, and we review the latest Rod Rosenstein statements from this hearing going on right now as we speak, and we review the president's interview they just did here. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Every application that I approved appeared to be justified based on the facts alleged. And the FBI was supposed to be following protocols to ensure that every fact was verified. But investigative reviews published by the Inspector General in December 2019 and March of 2020, those investigative reviews revealed that the FBI was not following the protocols and that significant errors appeared in applications filed in connection with the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Rod Rosenstein testifying right now. Now he's taking questions from Ted Cruz. He just got some questions from Sheldon Whitehouse. Uh, Ted Cruz slamming down uh, pages now. In fact, let's listen to this. Uh, let's listen to this slide before we bring in Mark Thiessen. Office. The president has said, do it, quote, by the book. She says, by the book, three times. James Comey tells the president, we're investigating Michael Flynn by the book. Well, unless the book is Richard Nixon's Watergate, the day before the FBI said they were closing the investigation, and there's James Comey telling Barack Obama, we're going after General Flynn, a decorated three-star general, the incoming national security advisor of the president, with Joe Biden sitting right there nodding along, Joe Biden himself personally unmasks Michael Flynn's name. That's the world you came into, Mr. Rosenstein. That's the Department of Justice you came into. And there's uh, Senator Ted Cruz. He knows his facts. Uh, he also knows theatrics. And he's pumped up. Uh, very bright guy. Everybody knows that. Uh, let's bring in Mark Thiessen now, uh, former speechwriter for George W. Bush, best-selling author, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Mark, I, I, with all this going on, the pandemic, the unrest, uh, the racial strife, the law enforcement issues uh, that we're dealing with now, and the election five months away, are people paying attention to this? Gosh, I have no idea. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's, it, 
we we just were in like a a, a period where we're we were talking about nothing but COVID and China uh, and and lockdowns, and all of a sudden now it's like COVID's over. <laughs> we're, you know we're we're you know no social distancing. We're marching. We're uh, we're uh, you know we're rioting, uh, and so everybody's focused on that. I, I mean, we look they they've got to hold the hearings. So we have got to get to the bottom of this. Uh, the we spent two years and tens of millions of dollars in the Mueller probe chasing a conspiracy theory, which Rosenstein said today basically was a conspiracy theory, that there was no collusion, uh, there was no conspiracy, it didn't happen. Um, and so we got to get to the bottom of how we did that. that the, I mean, Congress has oversight responsibilities, and they're absolutely right to do it. And, you know, if the American people are paying attention, fine. If they're not, we still need answers. So that's a good thing. That, and the uh, Russians are still laughing. Hearing. Oh, and absolutely. if they are, they did play a role, like it seems that they're saying, wait a second, they're still talking about what we did in 2016 because it was a yeah. total sham. Rod Rosenstein basically just said, this is what I believe. I think at the beginning he thought there was collusion. And I think when he realized there wasn't, he said, I got to land this plane. But he basically admitted, if I know what I knew now, I never would have hired Bob Mueller. What do you think about that? Well, we, we now know that they should have never hired Bob Mueller. It should have happened. You know, and, but the and guy that the did interview, it, and, the and the should have done it. The interview with Flynn should have never happened. I mean, Ted Cruz is 100 percent correct in what he says there. I mean, keep in mind that the the collusion that the counter terror, the counter, sorry, counterintelligence investigation that was looking at uh, uh, Flynn had come to the conclusion that he didn't do anything wrong before the interview. So you're in, so the, they they had they had the, if you look at the uh, the motion that the uh, the Department of Justice filed to dismiss the charges, it says that the FBI, in its own words, had an absence of derogatory information and had determined that they were closing the case. So they had determined that Flynn had not had a conspiracy with Russia. So why were they interviewing him about his about about his conversations with the Russian the Russian ambassador? There was no reason to do it. There was, and there was no underlying investigation to justify it. Comey, when he said he did it by the book, he lied. He yeah, he did not call the White House counsel, to, which is the appropriate thing to do to tell the to tell them the FBI agents are coming to interview the National Security Advisor. He did not tell Sally Yates, who was his boss, until get this. He literally she called him the morning of the interview, and he waited until the FBI agents had left for the White House before he called her back because he didn't want her to tell her him not to send them. I mean, this the, the guy is so corrupt, and the FBI has, his leadership was so corrupt at that time that you know we've got to clean it out and we got to get to the bottom of what happened. So let's let's switch over to what is happening, and in these major cities, uh, we've had uh, eight nights of unrest, uh, protesters. Now with the curfew, they're starting to get a hold of it a little bit. Uh, New York, I've talked to two police commissioners out. They say at any point, there's nothing about what's going on right now that we haven't dealt with in the past, that we haven't dealt with and we don't know how to deal with. It's all about this mayor and this governor. Uh, I want you to, I believe there is something different. And it's this Antifa mindset, Antifa group. I don't know if there's a, a virtual head or an actual head of the group. But when you drop bricks off and pickaxe, when you're driving Mercedes and you're raiding places, you're not thinking about George Floyd. People during the day are thinking about George Floyd, not at night. Here's what Lara Logan is finding out as she tries to get inside Antifa. Cut 18. You talked about 
people being in the face of police officers. That's about provoking a reaction. What do they want? They want to return to May 4th, 1970, when the, someone in the National Guard opened fire and um, innocent protesters, you know, were massacred, right? Those old pictures, if you look them up, of hippies putting flowers in the barrels of National Guard guns. And then, you know, the result is uh, ultimately that people lie, innocent people are dead. That's what they're trying to get, that kind of image. And uh, law enforcement is gathering case after case after case that document this, which is kind of extraordinary when you look at all the propaganda, uh, not just coming from the anarchists themselves and their political backers, but coming from the media as well. Is the media somehow complicit in this? They don't see this as a big story, the, the pallets of bricks? Oh, I mean, look, Antifa is, Trump is right, they're domestic terrorists. This is a domestic terrorist network uh, that, that has been doing this, not just they're taking, they're now piggybacking onto the, onto the George Floyd protest and trying to exploit them, but they're, they've been doing this for years. Um, and the reality is, I mean, what the most fascinating, what these people do, uh, if you look at, if you talk to the, uh, the interview, see the interview with the, uh, head of, of counterterrorism for the New York Police Department, he was talking about how Antifa guys were, they had literally cur- the supply lines of gasoline and, and, and bricks and weapons that were being pushed up into the protest. And they had bicycle scouts that were going around looking for areas where the police weren't so that they could, uh, radio the, the Antifa activists and go there because there's no police and you can go and, dis- and destroy things. So these are highly organized, highly, uh, uh, you know, choreographed operations. And the thing that's fascinating to me, if you read that uh, statement from the park police yesterday about the, about why they broke down uh, the protests in Lafayette Square, one of the things they said is they found baseball bats and steel poles stockpiled uh, on the hidden in the street and stockpiled to be used against police. That's Antifa. So there were Antifa in the in Lafayette Square, uh, planning to use weapons to attack the police and to turn that thing into into a uh, into an attack on on our law enforcement. So these these guys so have you, to be stopped. So Mark, you have such great insight on this. So the president of the United States, uh, according to the latest poll, the Reuters poll, has got forty percent approval of how he's handling this latest crisis. So what could he feasibly do, knowing the ominous task? Uh, race relations in law enforcement, which didn't start and end with him and won't, and knowing that there's this insurgency that's been there really since 2007 uh, that hates our country. So where does the president go from here? Who does he lean on? Where are the tactics? So, number one, he's 100 percent right to want to crack down, and he has to be careful. You're not cracking down on protesters. Protesters, we support uh, the, the First Amendment right of people to go out and protest. You're, you're cracking down on rioters. And there's a big distinction between rioters and protesters. Now, sometimes rioters infiltrate protesters and turn what were peaceful protests into violent protests. But we have to be very clear and distinct. He has to be very clear in distinguishing that he's not against the protest. He's against riots. He's against violence and all that. That's been a muddled message. The other thing is that he, you know, if you go back and look at the speech he gave at Cape Canaveral on Saturday, the beginning of the speech where he talked about all of this, where he said, I stand with, pro- with peaceful protesters. We stand with George Floyd. We support the right of people to, uh, to freely assemble. But, we're, but we're, we're against the rioters who are exploiting this uh, and, and just besmirching the legacy of George, uh, George Floyd. He needs to say that every single day, every time he talks about this. Um, you know, when I worked in the Bush administration and we were talking and we talk about the war on terror, 
President Bush always insisted that I had to, that I had to talk about uh, the the uh, about we had to talk about Islamic radicalism, the ideology of the of the of the people. So we had to remind people every single time because you know when when you give a speech, not everybody listens to it the first time. You have to repeat your message, and so he it, he did that. The first day, he needs to do it and repeat it so that people, so his critics can't ignore the fact that he said it. And because Americans need to hear that message as well. If he were to do both things, because if you look at the polls, the polls show that like, so people support having the military crack down on these people. By a, major, a majority of Americans support him in saying we, we may need to bring in the military to stop the riot. But they also believe that we have a problem with racial injustice in this country, and they want to stand with George Floyd. And I think the president needs to do both of those things at the same time. So the President Bush and Laura Bush wrote a great letter today and, you know, obviously condemning. They went out of their way, to, unlike President Obama last week, to condemn the looting and the violence. But here's an excerpt that I was going to read to the president. But I actually I want to make sure the president wanted I want to make sure it wasn't misinterpreted to be an attack on him. He's used to being attacked. And I don't want to be in the middle of a president on a president fight. But uh, because I talked to him last hour, here's an excerpt Frederick D- from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman to Abraham Lincoln to Martin Luther King Jr. are heroes of unity. Their calling has never been for the faint hearted. They often revealed the nation's disturbing bigotry and exploitation stains on our character, sometimes difficult for the American majority to examine. We can only see the reality of America's need by seeing it through the eyes of the threatened, oppressed and disenfranchised. Republican president saying in the big picture, uh, we had a problem. We were a slave country. We fought a civil war to get rid of it, but we didn't get rid of racial injustice uh, in the 1860s and not even in the 1960s. We're getting better, but we're not there yet. If you're the president, a 73-year-old president who grew up hardworking but wealthy, can you actually relate through somebody else's eyes their experience? Well, George W. Bush can. He's, you know, he's, he's not that much younger than Donald he's Trump, and things, he grew right? up wealthy, too, yeah. uh, you know, and hardworking, uh, very similar uh, in, in that sense. Uh, of course he can. And, I mean, and again, he's done it. He did it at Cape Canaveral. He gave a wonderful speech that everybody is trying to ignore. Um, but, you know, the, the reality of presidential communications is you got, and especially if you're Donald Trump, where the media hates you and wants to distort your message, is that you have to be super disciplined about repeating that part of the message. You know, you can't just assume I said it, they, you know, they, they got it, and now, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna repeat it for you. You have to say it over and over and over again. Um, and look, the president has asked, look, we, we need to heal this country, but you can't heal a country that's on fire. And you got to put out the fire first. And so, you know, if we want to heal, we got to put out the fire. And the president is right to want to put out the fire. He's right to crack down on the, on the looters and the, and the vandals and the criminals and Antifa. But he's got to also be the healer in chief at the same time. And he's got any and he and he can do that. Uh, he's he's just got to do it better. Absolutely. Mark, I saw that you felt like you wanted to bring your kid. Your kids wanted to go to the protest. But you yeah. thought it was a little bit too dangerous uh, because of, you know, we see the pallets of pickaxes and bricks. And you said no. Any regrets about that? Juan Williams said basically you should have. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't regret it at all. So I see the I see the images on TV every day. And the, look, the reality is, is that, you know, people are saying oh, Donald Trump is trampling our First Amendment rights. He's against protest and all the rest of it. No, you know, what's trampling First Amendment rights? The, the looters. 
You know, there are millions of people in this country who would like nothing better than to go out on the street and stand in solidarity with George Floyd and his family. And they can't because of fear of violence. Um, and that's un- that's unacceptable. We cannot let radicals take away our First Amendment rights and and divide us as a country. That's what these people are doing. Um, so we need to we need to crack down on these looters. Uh, we need to crack down on Antifa and we need to make sure that they're not and stop them from interfering in our ability as a country to come together and stand in solidarity for for racial justice. Mark, I really appreciate it. You always give great perspective. I look forward to your next column or your next TV appearance. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Go get it, Mark Thiessen. Always great. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'll take some calls when we get back. Also got to remind you, I'm going on Instagram Live every Wednesday for the next couple of weeks. I've done it over the last two weeks. It's been awesome. I'm going to talk about heroes in history. Today I'm talking about uh, two people who played a major role in Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. That is Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Congratulations on 10 years on radio. Wow, that's pretty good. I remember when you... Yeah. Well, one day on radio. All right. It's been a long time, but that's a great job. Yeah. You're doing a great job, Brian. Uh, that is President of the United States, who was kind enough to join us last hour, and we posted it online, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Uh, so it's posted. We'll have excerpts now on FoxNews.com, and we thank them for that. And I hope you've been watching Fox Nation. You have a chance to see what my reaction when I'm talking to the president. Rod Rosenstein testifying as we speak, and we do have a lot of calls. And I do want to see if I can get through uh, more to know. Uh, let's try to squeeze in some that's been very patient. Um, let's go to Mark, listening in North Carolina. Mark. Hey, uh, Brian. Hey, Brian. Thank you for taking my phone call. I wonder, why isn't a bad cop just a bad cop? When did this become a racial issue? From what I've seen, it, he didn't attack him because he was black. He just he, he may have done something bad as a uh, just a bad cop. Why, why are people using I, it as a race issue uh that th- that's a thought but the question the feeling is that he they wouldn't have treated him like that if he was white that's the assumption because they say of past events uh i know what you're saying but he's going to get a trial but man it's so hard to justify that uh behavior let's find out if there's even more to know more to know the mls players association has agreed to come back this season and agreed on a new uh players agreement so the owners and players will get to play again uh they are a single entity league one of the success stories in the world of sports. Next, NBA announcer Grant Napier placed on leave for tweeting that all lives matter. Uh, they say it's insensitive. All lives matter, every single one, the 60-year-old Napier said from Syosset, Long Island. And former King star Demetrius Cousins asked KHTK Radio for his view on Black Lives Movement. Black Lives Movement began in 2013. Uh, quote, if not as educated as I am on BLM, I thought I was. I had no idea when I said All Lives Matter that it would be that controversial. Neither did I. Next, Dick Wolf fired as Law & Order spinoff writer after threats to light up looters. Get this, he's in West Hollywood. He says, if they come near me, I'm going to light them up. Quote, I will not tolerate this conduct, especially during our hour of national grief. Uh, he says, Sunset is being looted two blocks away from me. You think I won't light that MFR up? Who are they trying to blank with? Guess what? He got fired on the spot by Craig Gore. 
They said during a time of national grief, especially in this hour of national grief, uh, he has no right to say that. I don't get it. He's just saying, I'm going to stick up for myself like Tiger Woods, who blasted the rioters, said stop burning and looting while saluting George Floyd and those who pay the price for uh, uh, racial inequity and law enforcement inequity. He gets lit up. Why? I cannot. I side with all three of those victims. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.